is invest time in a movie that's not worth watching. Have y'all been to the movies lately? I mean, it's unbelievable. Y'all, I go to one, like one movie a year. It's not because I'm, I'm trying to make some big moral statement. It's just I, I think I'm old and tired. And so when I do go to a movie, I'm like shocked. I just went to the movie for the first time in over a year. And it cost $7,000 to go. I mean, it was unbelievable. You pay like, you know, like 50 bucks for a ticket to go to a movie. And then you get a popcorn and Coke. You can't, go, you can't carry cash because I don't have a wallet that big anymore. And so what I wish I had now, if I'm going to go watch a movie... I need somebody to tell me if the movie's worth watching or not. Now, there's a cool app on your phone that's called, don't look at it now, but it's called Flickster. Y'all know about Flickster? Um, it's, a social, it's a social media site. You can go to it. It gives you previews about movies, lets you know what the movie's about. You can watch trailers on it. And so this has taken the place of Emily's Brothers for me. And so it's a really, it's a really neat app that you can use. Now, one of the things that we're going to be focusing on today is that the Bible has a Flickster-type app inside of it. And what the Bible does for us is like the app Flickster, is that it gives us a preview of what a life lived for God looks like. And more specifically for us today, the Bible actually gives us a preview of what heaven's all about. Now, it doesn't give us, you know, people's opinions on what they think of heaven, doesn't give us our own personal thoughts about what we think of heaven. It just simply shares with us what the Bible says about heaven. And so today in our passage of Scripture, it's exactly what we're going to see Jesus doing today. Jesus begins to give a preview of heaven to his disciples. And they needed to have this preview. And the reason why is because Jesus knew times were getting ready to get tough for his followers. And so he needed to give them something or share something with them that they could hang on to. And what was true for the disciples all this time ago is true for us today. Guys, in this life, we need to get a preview of heaven. Uh, We need to know that there is something that we can look forward to, that there is something that is waiting for us. And that's what Jesus does. And he does this for us in John chapter 14. And just a little background information here. What's happening in this passage of Scripture is Jesus has just shared with his disciples that he's getting ready to go to the cross. Now, I, I know that today we, we hear that and we're like, yeah, I've heard the story a million times. But you have to put yourself in the disciples' shoes. They have invested everything in their lives in Jesus. I mean, they're expecting Jesus. I mean, they're an occupied country. They're expecting Jesus to set up new leadership. They're expecting him to throw the Romans out. And, of course, they're excited, thinking, we know this guy, and so we'll get some perks for being followers of Jesus. And so they have all these dreams, and then Jesus blows everything up. He says, I'm not going to be around here much longer. I'm getting ready to go to the cross, and I'm going to die. And as you can imagine, the disciples were distraught, and they, it had to be going through their mind, well, if they killed Jesus, what are they going to do to us? You know, we have all these dreams about what Jesus is going to do, but if Jesus goes to the cross, then that means that my dreams will die as well. Do I even have a future? And that had to be some of their thought processes, and and I think that's probably some of the thinking that we have, and we wonder, do do I have a future? You know, do I have anything to look forward to? Is, Is there anything beyond this life that is there for me? Is heaven even a real place? And that's where the good news is for us today. And the good news is Jesus shares with us a preview of heaven. 
So what, what is the preview of heaven that Jesus gives? Well, the very first preview he gives us is that heaven brings hope. Heaven is, is a place that brings us hope even for today. If you look in verse number 1, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. And he just told them he's going to die. And then he said, your heart must not be troubled. He said, believe in God, believe also in me. Now, why were they, why were they troubled? Well, they're troubled because Jesus is just, you know, he's like just squashed their dreams. I'm going to die. I mean, they have anxiety here. They're beginning to wonder, what's in store for me now if Jesus isn't going to be here? I mean, things were beginning to look very bleak. And it's always, it's always difficult for us whenever we have certain expectations and certain dreams for things, and they don't happen. Now, when you're younger, I think it's easier to deal with that. And I think part of the reason why is when you're younger, you say, well, I'm going to try this out, but if it doesn't work, you know, I've got time to make it work out. You know, I've still got some years ahead of me, and so you can kind of take comfort in the fact that you have a future. Now, that's good if you're young, but then what happens when you get older? You ever wonder about that? I mean, you get older, and then you begin to realize, hey, time's not, like, on my side. And then sometimes we see our dreams begin to die because we begin to realize, I can't continue to try and make these, take these risks and just say, well, I've got plenty of time to try to turn things around because I don't have the time. And so that's when some of our dreams begin to die and we begin to realize things aren't going to change. And then we watch as our kids grow up and, and some of us, as we see them grow older, we see them making some decisions and And they're not good decisions. And as time goes by, you begin to realize "Mm, things aren't going to change. And for some of us, our bodies begin to, you know, betray us a little bit. And they don't respond like they used to. And we begin to understand more and more, man, I really am mortal. You know, I'm not going to live forever. I'm not going to have have a, a body that's going to function correctly all the time. And so we can get depressed and we begin to wonder, is there a future? Well, this is where Jesus gives us words of hope about heaven. And that's what he says in verse number 1. If you look there again, he said, believe in God. Believe also in me. What does that mean? You know what Jesus is doing right here? He is sharing hope. He's letting them know, hey, listen, I understand that time's short. I understand that that things don't always work out the way that you think they will, but then Jesus says, but believe in me. He's giving them a message of hope. And hope is something that can transform and change your life. A great example of it is in Parade Magazine a few years ago. There was a story about a man named Eugene Land, self-made millionaire. Went to East Harlem, wanted to speak to a group of 6th grade students, 59 students, where the dropout rate was enormously high, and he wanted to give them words of encouragement. So he came up with a speech, he wrote it, and he's like, how am I going to keep these kids, you know, sixth graders, why are they going to listen to me? And so he he decided, he just threw the speech away, so I'm going to keep it real simple. He walked into the class, here's a speech. He said, this is all I've got to say today. He said, if you graduate from high school, I will pay for your college. That was his speech. That was it. You know what happened? 90% of those 6th graders graduated from high school. He said uh, one of the kids came to him and told him, said, that day changed my life. He said, when you said that, he said, for the first time in my life, I had something to look forward to. He had hope. He said, "That's that's what hope does. 
That's what Jesus is doing here. He's giving us a message of hope to transform our lives. And that's why he began to talk about heaven. Now, that message wouldn't mean anything to you if I was the one telling you, hey, I'm going to provide heaven for you because I can't back it up. But Jesus is the one who is speaking about heaven. And Jesus, as the Son of God, when he speaks, he carries with him authority. Jesus said, believe me, trust in what I've told you. What had Jesus been telling them about for years? Well, in the previous verses, if you look in there, what you'll see is that Jesus had just celebrated the Passover with the disciples. We, you know, we call it the Lord's Supper now. But they had celebrated the Passover. You know what the Passover is? Passover was instituted when the Hebrew people were in Egyptian captivity with Moses. And uh, they, they were told, Moses told the people, said, God has told me that you were to sacrifice a lamb, take the blood, and spread it over the doorframe of your house. And when an angel of death comes, he's coming to destroy the Egyptians. But if he sees the blood of the lamb on your doorframe, he will pass over you. And then we will be able to leave and find the promised land and have freedom for the first time. What Jesus was teaching as he began to take the Lord's Supper is he was letting the disciples know, I am the lamb for you. And I've been sacrificed for you so that whenever you trust in me, your life is covered with me. And then as the angel of death comes someday for us, he will pass over you. And I'll be able to lead you into life eternal into heaven. Now there's a lot of people, and we, we look at life and we see life as just drudgery. We see life as it's just one big series of letdowns and disappointments. But whenever you align your life with Christ, it cha- everything becomes different. Everything is changed. Because Jesus promises heaven. Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have life everlasting. Now, Jesus gives a preview of heaven here. Heaven brings hope, right? It's a great thing. It's one of the great selling points about Christianity. But there's another preview of heaven, and that is that heaven doesn't just bring hope, but it's also an actual place. Heaven is an actual place. Look with me in verse number 2. Jesus said, In my Father's house are, are, are many dwelling places. And if not, I would have told you, and I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you may also be also. You know the way where I am going. And I have, just being honest with you, I've always struggled with the concept of heaven. It's hard for me to get my, you know, my hands around or my mind around it. And it's difficult uh, for me to, to grasp heaven because it's not like there's some, you know, it's not like you have TripAdvisor. And you're like, I wonder... What are the ratings on heaven? You know, and somebody says, well, I was there and it was great. I mean, you don't have anything like that. And then cultures made heaven kind of tough for us to grasp uh, because we put some, we have these weird beliefs about heaven. I mean, it all starts when you're a kid and you're watching cartoons, right? I mean, if you, if you watch Tom and Jerry, you know, Tom will go over the side of a cliff and then you'll see him fall and there's a little poof of dirt and then you'll see him sort of this transparent parent Tom floating up. He's got angel wings, and he's, he's flying up to heaven, and then you see him sitting on a cloud playing a harp. Now, I like the idea of eternal life, but the idea of playing a harp on a cloud forever, I mean, does that just sort of like dampen, dampen your whole view of what heaven's all about? I mean, if, if heaven is about harp playing, y'all, man, that's, that's going to be rough. That's going to be kind of tough to hang on to. So I've always had a difficult time kind of getting my, my hands around heaven. But when I look in the Bible, I see that when Jesus speaks of heaven, he's not speaking of a state of mind. I mean, he's not speaking of, 
of, a, you know, of some place where we sit on clouds and play harps. He speaks of a literal place. That's why he says that in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. I like other translations that say, in my Father's house there are many mansions. Now that word means more to me. You know what the mansions are for? They're for those who are followers of Jesus. It means, it means it's a mansion for all Christians, for me. Okay, now I'm just, I think that's pretty cool. And I like the idea that he is speaking of a dwelling place. And that word dwelling, it is speaking of a literal place, a place of permanence, a place that can't be destroyed. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, For we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. God has prepared a place for his followers, a specific place. And guys, if God is preparing a place for us, if he has made a place, he is making a place for you, I guarantee you it is going to be an awesome place, a place you're going to want to be. Every year, our daughter, my daughter, Janie, who is, she's at her grandparents, it's her birthday today. And so my daughter, Janie, every year, she's 13, she enters us into the HGTV Dream Home Sweepstakes every year. I don't know if y'all do that. Now, she's all excited. I mean, I, man, she's, she's dangerous. I mean, she's so excited about it. And she, if we win, she's like, we're moving to Lake Tahoe. Now, that's where the house is. If you looked at the house, it's really a cool-looking house. But here's the deal. I ain't moving to Lake Tahoe. Now, I like the house. I think it's a cool place, but it's a long way from home. I mean, I'm griping. I've been griping. I'm still griping about the snow on the ground now. I don't want to live at Lake Tahoe. It's a long ways away. Um, I don't know anybody there. And so I guess for Janie, if we happen to win, well, I guess we'll have to sell the house and we'll give her the money. You know, I don't know what we're going to do, but... But heaven is, is not going to be like that dream house in Lake Tahoe. It's going to be different. And it's going to be different because it's going to be home. It's going to be different because we will know people there. You know, heaven is filled with followers of God who've preceded us in death. With family and friends, they're, they're in heaven. Those who are followers of Jesus. I mean, can you imagine what it will be like when we go to heaven and, and King David's like our neighbor? That's kind of weird. And I know for me, I think it'll be neat to, to walk down the street and to run into my grandfather, who I never knew because he died before I was ever born. I can't imagine what it will be like to, to actually have a conversation with Jesus, to actually sit down and to speak with him. Now, there's a lot of pictures that people have of heaven, but Jesus wants us to understand that heaven is it's not a state of mind. It's not a place where we play harps forever. It is a place of life. It is a place of activity. And yet so many of us, we say that we believe it, and yet we live in fear because we're afraid that the promises of God, they, they might not be true. And so we just sort of creep along in this life when God never intended for us to creep along in life, but to live with joy and confidence about a future that we have. There's a, a story about the early part of our country's history, and there was a, a traveler trying to get back home, but before he got home, he had to cross over the Mississippi River. As he came to the banks of the river, it was frozen, and he was nervous. He didn't know if it, the ice was thick enough to hold him up or not. He was on his horse, and, and it started getting later and later, and he was just really fretting about actually getting out on the ice. And so finally he decides, he's like, i got to get across. i got to get home or I'm going to freeze to death. 
got off his horse and he got on his hands and knees and he began to crawl across the river. As he was very slowly going across the river, he heard something behind him and he turned around and he heard a man was singing. And he was riding a horse, pulling a wagon full of coal, flying right by him as he's crawling on the ground. And I thought about that story and I thought, you know, there are so many of us who are just like that weary traveler in that we are creeping and crawling along on the promises of God, afraid that they might not be true. When God has every intention for us to stand boldly on the promises that he gives. You see, God desires for us to live with confidence, knowing that he's prepared a place for us. And if we really do that, if we believe in Jesus, when Jesus said, believe in me, if we believe him, it will change your life. It will allow you not to live in fear, but to live with confidence. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell his disciples. That's why he gave him a preview of heaven. And that preview is that heaven brings hope. And the other preview that Jesus gave is that heaven is an actual place. And then this is the final preview of heaven I want you to see. It's this one. Heaven requires reservations. It's a preview of heaven. God, Jesus wants us to know. It requires reservations. Look with me in verses 5 and 6. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now Jesus had been telling his disciples, he said, hey, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. It's a place of, of, of mansions built for you. Now that sounds great, and this is why I like Thomas so much. You know, we call him Doubting Thomas. I like Thomas because he's realistic Thomas to me. And Thomas asked a great question. Here's his question. He basically says, that sounds great, but how do we get there? You know, I want to know the directions. He is such a pragmatist. I, I, mean, I love what Thomas says here. Well, Jesus gives him an answer. In verse 6, he, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, the last part of this verse is the part I want us to focus on. Because there's a lot of people, and they see this, and they hear Christians talk about this, and they say that right there shows how narrow-minded Christianity is. That right there shows how bigoted our faith is when we say that there's only one way to heaven. Because what we'd like to say is it doesn't matter what you believe, we're all going to end up in the same place anyway. And that sounds good. You know, that sounds good, I think, for most people. But, you know, that's not, that's not true in any other area of our lives. You know, I mean, I think about my marriage relationship before I started dating Emily. If I'd have just gone out with a bunch of different people and then just showed up at Emily's door one day and said, meet me at church on Saturday, we're going to get married. She's going to tell me to take a hike. And you would agree with that. So, well, there's, there's no way that you can do that. You see, what I'm learning is that if you, want, if you want the best things in life, one thing you have to do is you have to reserve your spot. You don't just demand it. You have to get reservations for it. I mean, if, if you want to eat at a nice restaurant and it's a good place, you've got to have reservations. You have to call ahead. Thinking along those lines, I, I looked up the most popular restaurants in the world. One of the most popular restaurants in the world is a restaurant called Noma. It's in Denmark. They take reservations one day a month for three months out. Now, this is kind of hard to believe, but whenever they have those that. Uh, uh, those open dates or those times to call in, over 20,000 people will call on that one day every three months to make reservations at this restaurant. It's that good. Now, if I were just to show up at that restaurant 
and just say, hey, I need a table for two. Do you think I'm going to get a table if I haven't called? I mean, I say, hey, I'm Eric Eastep. Don't y'all know me? They, they don't care. I've not made reservations, and because I haven't made reservations, I guarantee you I'm not going to get to eat there. Now, this is what Jesus is doing in our text. He's saying it is crazy for people to think that they can live like they want to, ignore the Son of God, and then expect God to provide a place for them in heaven. So that's not the way that it works. There has to be reservations. Thomas said, how do I get there? Jesus said, you make reservations. Verse 6, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. In other words, if you want this, you come through me. That's it. Now, there's a lot of us, and we, we can look at that, and we can see that as being arrogant and narrow-minded. But guys, let me tell you something. This is grace. This is good news here. Jesus is giving directions on how to arrive where we would like to be. He didn't have to do that. He gives us directions. Now, what Jesus was saying is he's saying the way to get to heaven is limited. It's only through me. But it is unlimited concerning who can come. He said, my offer is available to everyone. Limited on how to get there. Unlimited on who can get there. Jesus is just saying, I want to give you a preview of heaven because I want you to understand, you have to have reservations. Now guys, when it comes down to it, this life does not last forever. Therefore, it would be good for us to watch the previews of heaven and know what it's all about. And, and then to ask ourselves the question, do I have reservations? Do I have a place with God in heaven? If you've never made reservations, make them today. How do I do that? You come to Jesus. He's the only way. And you entrust your life to him.